is In The Fight, a Section 247 show presentation. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at In The Fight Show. On Facebook, at Facebook.com, slash In The Fight Show. Welcome back to a Section 247 In The Fight presentation. Yes, that is right. Everyone who's like, uh, where's Mike's voice? Yeah, unfortunately, Mike is not here. Uh, but don't worry. Brett is here to take you through, and uh, we will venture forth. Uh, unfortunately, Mike had a few things to take care of, but don't worry. The band will be back together next week. Um, just like everybody's week, the time change, the election, everything. It's just a crazy week. But Nevertheless, there's always combat sports news to talk about. Uh, so that is what we are going to do here today. Um, but first, most importantly, the show uh, In the Fight is brought to you. We are a Sports Talk Philly partner. We're also brought to you, um, sponsored by Michael's Glass Company. Tremendous, tremendous company. Uh, the number is 215-338-3293. They serve the Philadelphia Tri-State region for those that you don't know, the Delaware Valley, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware. Uh, please tell them Mike and Brett sent you again. Uh, probably the premier glass company in the Delaware Valley. Uh, we can get to us on social media. Links will be in the show notes, but we are at In The Fight Show on Instagram, on Twitter. We have our YouTube page with a few uh, previous video interviews. Sean T, uh, Sean T, beautiful Bob Maloney, Lenny Rafati. Uh, we're hoping to get some more interviews in the future. Uh, what's coming up on the show? So as I mentioned, don't worry. Uh, the the anchor of the show, uh, the the quarterback, as you would like to say, or as I would say, Michael Pinsky, will be back next week, and we are really going to dive into next week not only the results from uh, the MMA fights this past week or excuse me, and also this weekend. But we're going to get into the sort of the state of professional wrestling. We're going to go over AEW's full gear pay-per-view, talk about some of the leading storylines in the WWE, talk about uh, Survivor Series and why I think it has now become idiotic. Apparently now also they're going to have a final goodbye to The Undertaker. Apparently he's, I, I think we've done 20 of these, but nevertheless... Uh, so yeah, we're going to get into everything, uh, really sort of just talk about the state of professional wrestling. And, you know, even though the election is over, it doesn't mean you can't have a good debate and our great faction debate will still be happening. Uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, so we could get to talk about, uh, some of the crazier, uh, factions of all time. Uh, I'm looking not only forward to discussing which are the best, but also which are the worst because uh, I can't wait to talk about the oddities <laughs> with everybody. So with that being said, let's get into some of the news in the MMA world. Um, so something that uh, was announced, there was a bunch of news announced by Dana White after this past Saturday's show. We'll get into the results of the show, but first the ultimate fighter is returning. Mike and I had talked about that. Probably a few months ago, and we were mentioning how the Dana White Contender Series, which actually also returned this past week, they, they awarded 
There were four fights, all four fights. Uh, all four winners were given contracts. Uh, it was a really interesting show. But we said that the Dana White Contender Series kind of replaced the Ultimate Fighter and that you know maybe the, the UFC had evolved past it. But, you know, particularly if you think about it, so Ultimate Fighter is going to be returning March of 2021. So at that point, there's no longer going to be football. We're hopefully going to be having a full uh, NBA and NHL season. But again, they're not going to be in bubbles like they were when they returned to finish their previous seasons. And given everything going on with COVID, you know, ESPN at that point might be starved for content. So I guess in that respect, it does make sense that they're bringing it back. Now, who are they picking for coaches? They haven't mentioned. Um, who would I love to see? Well, if Khabib is coming back and 30-0 and and you're going to set up a fight either with him and Connor, him and George St. Pierre, that would be fantastic. I, although I don't really see how you would have um, – I don't see how Khabib and Connor would be able to coexist like that. You would have to have – pay so much money for security, it would be incredibly difficult. Also, if you think about it in terms of scheduling, if this is going to air March 2021, I don't know if that means it's going to be completely filmed prior to. you With Khabib, you'll also run into the issue of his observance of Ramadan, uh, which I believe does take place in the spring. Uh, for those that don't know, it is the uh, the holy Muslim holiday where for a month you, you fast during the day. Um, and so because of that, I don't know if necessarily he'd be available to train and things of that nature. I know he doesn't, and I'm sure he would want to observe the holiday at home with his family. So who else would be interesting to have? Well, perhaps um, Dana White is hinting at that because one of the other big breaking news during his press conference was that he mentioned the next fight for UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya is actually going to be for the 205-pound championship, the light heavyweight championship. So Israel Adesanya is going to move up in weight and take on uh, Jan Blahovich, Mike's favorite fighter, Polska, 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 and it's going to be for the 205-pound belt. So perhaps that's a way to introduce Jan Blahovich more to the U.S. audience because he still is a little bit of an unknown, even though, he, you know, to his credit, as we discussed, has really done a tremendous job during his path to the title. And, and his uh, performance against Dominic Reyes was amazing. You know, in terms of my thoughts, I I'm very interested in seeing that fight. I think it's a great fight. Um, I would have liked to have seen Israel Adesanya maybe completely clear out the middleweight division before moving up. But having said that, really, who else is there? He beat Robert Whitaker. He beat Yoel Romero. He beat Paulo Costa. I guess you could say, all right, well, there's Darren Till. Jared Cannonier couldn't get past Robert Whitaker. So there really isn't a clear-cut contender other than Robert Whitaker in a rematch. Uh, and then Robert Whitaker, strangely, you know, in his post-fight interviews um, after UFC 254, is like, yeah, well, I really want to go home and spend time with my family and play video games, which, by the way, all endeavors are, all those endeavors sound great. Uh, but he didn't really, um, you know, uh, he wasn't overly 
aggressive in terms of, yes, I want the rematch. I'm going to go kick out of Sonya's ass. And I think uh, that probably played negatively to Dana White. So now Dana's like, look, Izzy's going to go up to light heavyweight, take on Blahovich. So those could very well be the next coaches. I think the only problem with that is with Blahovich's limited English, I don't know how well that's going to play off on ESPN. Um, so it should be interesting in terms of who they're going to identify as the next coaches. And also, I am very much looking forward to Israel Adesanya moving up and potentially being the next champ champ. Uh, but that's a very tough fight for him against Jan Blachowicz. So we shall see. Also, Dana did reveal that Khabib, as of right now, will remain the lightweight champion. He is not uh, stripping Khabib of the title. We also have not heard any reports that Khabib has removed himself from the USADA testing. So even though he retired in the ring, nothing else aside from that would signal that he's retired, uh, which does lend credence to the fact that at one, some point there will be the 30 and 0 fight. Uh, or excuse me, the, thir- the fight to get to 30 and 0. So with that being said, let's get to Saturday's fights. Um Uriah Hall defeated Anderson the Spider Silva via TKO, one minute and 24 seconds into round four. It was sort of a tale of two fights, Um, you know, as we discussed prior to. Uriah Hall is either uh, looks like a champion or looks like a top 30 fighter. And sometimes he is very hesitant to pull the trigger. And in the early stages of the fight, he definitely looked as if he was paying too much respect to Anderson Silva. He was almost mesmerized by him. And Anderson Silva was getting off some good jabs. But aside from that, he didn't really uh, maintain much else in terms of offense. Uh, I actually did have the fight. Uh, I gave it two rounds to one. I scored it two rounds to one, Anderson Silva, heading into the fourth. However, by the third round, at the end, Uriah Hall had clipped Anderson Silva, and I think it really is clear that one difference between Anderson Silva now and Backland, considering his advanced age in the fight game, his ability to take damage, his chin is just not what it once was. I mean, granted, he rarely was hit back when, but when he was, he took it a lot better than he does now. So it was he, he had gotten knocked down by the end of the third Managed to survive the round. Uriah Hall comes out in the fourth. Again, aggressive. Is able to knock down Silva. At that point, Herb Dean had stepped in and said he had enough. Saved Anderson Silva from himself. So the fight was over. Um, Silva, Anderson Silva does say he would like to have one more fight. He does have another fight left in the UFC. Dana White has said he does not want to see him fight ever again. So I guess we're left at an impasse. To me, I think after a little bit of time, perhaps Dana might be able to, uh, with with the matchmakers, sort of concoct a more favorable matchup with Anderson Silva for a retirement fight. Um, You know, against someone who doesn't necessarily present the dangers in terms of striking. Uh, You you know, I, I I can't really think of someone right now, but if you had a more grapple heavy middleweight uh, or even light heavyweight because Anderson could go up to 205. Uh, I think that might make sense. 
Um, if in fact Anderson is is dead set on fighting again, because that way, presumably against a heavy grappler, he's not going to sustain the same kind of damage he would against Uriah Hall, who, when aggressive and went on, is one of the best strikers in all of the middleweight division. Um, personally, I would like to see Anderson Silva retire. I, you know, um, assuming he does not need the money, I don't want to see someone like that take that extra level of damage. Uh, this is about quality of life moving forward. But then again, who am I to tell someone of Anderson Silva's stature that he has to hang it up? Um, so that's that's sort of the my thoughts with respect to Anderson Silva moving forward. With respect to Uriah Hall, you know, the fight that I kind of would like to see is Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman. I think that'd be very interesting. I think Chris Weidman would have the definitive grappling advantage. But if if Uriah Hall can press that the that aggressive button, you know, or you know, sort of like the the turbo button when you're playing uh, Madden and move forward and strike, he would really, you know, because Weidman's chin is questionable at this stage of his career, and I think he could actually knock out Chris Weidman, and that really I think would sort of put him on a rocket ship up the, the middleweight rankings and maybe even give him the confidence that he's always sort of needed and looked for uh, to, to move forward to fight the elite of the division. So to me, that's a fight that I'd really like to see. With respect to the other fights, um, Bryce Mitchell was impressive against Andre Feely. Um, was much less impressive in his post-fight press conference when he uh, – was talking about the coronavirus and COVID-19. This is not a political show, so I don't want to completely get into that. And uh, But I also don't want to all, um, highlight his ridiculous views, so that's all I'm going to say about Bryce Mitchell. Uh, another fight that really impressed me uh, in the prelims, Alex Hernandez, who was a guy the UFC was really pushing about a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, those of you might recall the first UFC on ESPN card it was actually Alex Hernandez who fought Cowboy Cerrone and gave him a pretty competitive fight. Um, he afterwards sort of was going through an identity crisis in terms of his style of fight with switching camps, things of that nature. He looked really good, defeated Chris Grutzenmacher, or Grutzenmacher, excuse me, via knockout 146 in the round one. Grutzenmacher is a super tough guy and for those of you uh, who don't know him, if you've ever seen, um, there's that, you know, the Night of Night of the Museum, Night at the Museum trilogy movies with Ben Stiller. The third movie in that uh, trilogy, there is one of the, you know, museum characters that comes to life is a crow magnet man who happens to look like Ben Stiller a little bit. Well, that also is Chris Grutzenmacher. They look exactly alike. I'm telling you, go watch the movie and then go look at Chris Grutzemacher. You're going to say that's him. It's, it's hysterical. Uh, but nevertheless, Alex Hernandez looked really good. And I do think that if he, you know, can keep up this momentum, he definitely will see himself back in the top 15 rankings in a stacked UFC lightweight division. So that brings us forward to uh, this Saturday. Actually, before then, should mention uh, last night, Thursday night, Corey Anderson made his Bellator debut and successfully defeated Melvin Manhoof uh, via second round ground and pound striking. Um, 
again, you know, just looking at the presentation, the and as also the limited uh, advertising regarding the event. That's something I know even Mike had texted me about. I, I really don't know if this move to CBS Sports is good for Bellator in the long run. It really, to me, it, it makes them seem like another one of the regional promotions or the biggest of the regional promotions as opposed to the viable second promotion, um, you know, uh, next to the UFC. Uh, in addition to uh, the other notable name, I guess, on the card would be um, – Austin Vanderford, who, uh, for those of you who don't know that name, probably would know him as Paige Van Zandt's husband. Uh, for those that follow Paige Van Zandt's Instagram, he's those are the he's the guy who's naked in all the other naked photos she is posting these days. Uh, Paige herself, uh, I believe that they have recently booked or announced that they're close to booking her uh, bare knuckle fighting championship debut. Anyways. On to this Saturday, uh, Tiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira. Um, it, to me, it would seem this fight, this whoever wins this fight, I believe as, is going to essentially be the, the number one light heavyweight contender and be sort of the contender in waiting. And by that, I mean they're going to be waiting for the adesanya Blahovich fight. And but whoever wins this upcoming fight will not have to fight again to cement that status. Um, so in terms of, you know, what are the fighters relative strengths? Well, I would tell you both have knockout power. Tiago Santos is the younger fighter. He's the more athletic fighter. And I would say at this stage of the game, his power is probably more dangerous towards his opponent as relates to, you know, as compared with Glover Teixeira, excuse me. Now, on the ground, I think Glover Teixeira has the better grappling game, better, a little bit better wrestling game, but definitely the superior submissions. However, I think Tiago Santos's uh, takedown defense will be sufficient enough to keep this fight on the feet. And Glover getting up there in age, you know, I mean, he obviously is on a four-fight win streak most recently defeating Anthony Smith. But in the first few rounds, he takes a lot of shots. And the shots that he took against Anthony Smith, if Tiago Santos lands those kinds of shots, he's not going to be conscious. So to me, I, I see this as a, a Tiago. So this is Tiago Santos's fight to win, in my estimation. So should be interesting. Now, remember, Tiago Santos fought John Jones to a split decision loss while in during the course of the fight, tearing every ligament in his knee and continuing to fight, uh, which was absolutely, absolutely amazing. So I, I'm really very much looking forward to seeing how this is Tiago Santos's first fight back. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's going to look based upon his rehab. And I think that he is a guy. Remember, he also knocked out the current UFC light heavyweight champion, Jan Bohovic. So this is a guy who is a clear-cut contender, uh, really interesting to see. And, and this is a very good matchup, you know. And Glover, Glover is just one of those tough veterans. The, the thing that always upsets me about Glover Teixeira is that we actually never, we as in the UFC audience, never got to see Glover during his athletic peak. Um, he was 
basically on his way to becoming a UFC fighter and got stuck in Brazil for several years due to visa issues. Um, and unfortunately, it took him a while to get over here. He was he was one of Chuck Liddell's training partners, but he could have very well been a UFC champion in that the tail end of the Liddell era. Then you had like when when the the title went from Liddell to Rampage to Forrest Griffin to Rashad Evans to Leota Machida to Shogun. During that you know few year stretch, he could have been the champion. You know, I don't think I mean, he obviously at some point did fight uh, John Jones. I believe that was one UFC 172 or 173. He was in Baltimore. Even by that point, though, he was not this. That was already um, past his athletic prime. So it, it, it is a shame that we never got to see uh, prime Glover Teixeira, but he still had and is having a fantastic UFC career. Really good guy, too. And like, could he win? Absolutely. He is as tough as nails and he has a lot of tools in, in, um, I always screw up that saying the tool shed, the tool basket, whatever. He has a lot of tools at his disposal. So I am very much looking forward to that fight and the co-main event, believe it or not, we have yet another appearance of the pit bull, Andre Arlovsky, who is taking on uh, rising heavyweight Tanner Boser who is not yet ranked, but with a victory over Arlovsky, he definitely could be. Look, Arlovsky at this point of his career is really, he's a um, a gatekeeper, right? Uh, he, he He's competitive in all of his fights, uh, and it really is amazing. You know, think about Andre Arlovsky was called out probably now 10 years ago for his chin. And yet he still has a viable UFC and MMA career. Uh, you know, he got as far up to the rankings as like uh, the number four heavyweight. Then he ran into Stipe Miocic, who knocked him out. Uh, but, you know, he's managed to he'll, he'll lose a few, win a few. You know, is fighting guys, you know, ranked somewhere between number 12 and number, let's just say hypothetically number 20 in the heavyweight division and still looks very competitive. So I give him credit. He was one of my favorite fighters when we first started watching Uh, Mike and I, our first ever live UFC event was UFC 53 down in Atlantic city. And he took on the late Justin Eilers. Um, It was actually a terrible fight. The first round was not a lot of action. And then in the second round, Eilers was sort of approaching. He sort of charged at Arlovsky and blew out his knee. Uh, so that fight was stopped. That was who else was on it? Nick Diaz was on that card. Uh, Matt Sarah against Carol Parisian. Rich Franklin defeated the late Evan Tanner. Wow. So you had a fighter in the main and co-main event who, who both are no longer with us in, in Evan Tanner and Justin Eilers. That's pretty, uh, that, that's very sad. Uh, but it was a very interesting. David Loazzo was in that uh, on that card. It was that was back in the old the Boardwalk Hall, which is to me a, a wonderful venue and and actually an historic venue in terms of both combat sports and professional wrestling. You had two WrestleManias there, as well as some very famous fights, including uh, Tyson Spinks. So you know, really cool. It was a very cool event, cool night uh, earlier in the day. <laughs> Uh, we sort of 
had a tour of parts of South Jersey and Mike was very salty that day. I'll, I'll let Mike talk about that one day, uh, particularly when we were at Egg Harbor. He was very salty. And then the other funny thing was to get into Boardwalk Hall, you actually have to go on the boardwalk. And they had, this was right after the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. And Chris Lieben and other fighters were there. And at the time, I didn't like Chris Lieben. Um, for those that remember, there was kind of the big koscheck Lieben feud. And I was actually on Team Koscheck because, you know, everyone was talking about how Koscheck was such an asshole for, for you know, um, pouring water on Lieben's head. And meanwhile, earlier in the season, Lieben peed on that other guy's bed. I was like, all right, well, why are people, you know, like overlooking that? And um, it was Mike and one of the other guys we went with who like walked up right near leave and was like, hey, Brett, isn't this the guy you don't like on the show? And that was uh, pretty scary because Lieben is a scary human being. And he was a lot, you know, even though he's 185 pounder and I'm a big guy myself, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't stand you know, even with a woman's atom weight. So. Uh, you know, for a 185-pound UFC fighter to be pissed at me, that's not a good look. So I was a little afraid for a moment. But nevertheless, that was a cool night. First time we got to see Arlovsky. Um, when I think of Arlovsky, I also think about the frustrating fight he had against Fedor Emelianenko uh, at Affliction, the second Affliction, because he was beating Fedor until he decided to throw ill-advised flying knee and got knocked up, knocked out on the way up. But he survived and he's still fighting in the UFC heavyweight division and takes on Tanner Boser uh, later or in the co-main event of Saturday's uh, fight night. So I guess the other news that uh, I guess I should cover real quick is uh, former UFC light heavyweight champion Tito Ortiz has uh, who ran for Huntington uh, Huntington Beach City Council uh, was victorious in his uh, bid to earn that seat. So now we have one of the world's dumbest human beings as a city councilman. Um, he literally was. I would actually encourage anyone to, uh, watching the show. On Twitter, not only check us out at In The Fight Show, as well as our other uh, podcast at GL Stand Show for the Goal Line Stand and at uh, Night Talk Pod for our Night Talk, which is our Rutgers football podcast. But look up Bohashinia Depot. Uh, that's the name. I forget his actual handle at the moment. Uh, it is a tremendous account to not only fight uh follows fighting, but calls out and highlights some of the idiotic things that fighters say and do. Uh, namely, it really, because he's one of the dumbest, it almost seems like it is a Twitter account um, entirely devoted to Tito Ortiz. It, when he was interviewed after the polls closed, he was like, get out there and vote. He's just an absolute idiot. And I'm not even going to get into his political views, which obviously differ from mine. Um, but I mean, he really is, a, he's a conspiracy theorist, but is someone who really has difficulty putting together a coherent sentence. Uh, and now he's an elected official. So I guess the will of the people be damned. <laughs> uh, so 
It is interesting. Again, I would encourage you to check out that Twitter account. I would also show you how dumb Brendan Schaub is, uh, one of the other dumbest um, figures in the world of MMA. Um, so with that being said, I think we've covered most of the news and previewed the fights, reviewed the fights. I thank you for, uh, first of all, I thank everybody for their support, not only with, uh, you know, supporting this show at, you know, our in the fight show. This has been such a fantastic uh, journey. Mike and I have gone on as well as our goal line stand podcast for our football uh, fans out there. And for specifically our Rutgers fans out there, our new night talk podcast. Uh, all of them have just been so much fun and definitely look forward to our conversation next week regarding the state uh, professional wrestling, some of the key storylines out there. I'm very much looking forward to talking about what's going on with Roman Reigns. Uh, I think that that is going in a great direction. Uh, we might do a little fantasy booking there. Uh, so thank you so much for allowing me to take a half hour of your time to talk about the state of uh, combat sports right now. I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend with filled with good fights and good food. Check out some football as well. And look forward to seeing you on the flip side next week. Take care.